Good morning, everyone. It is good to be with you here once again for us to, in the presence of the Lord, be meditating and turning our attentions, our attention, our hearts to the Word of God. This morning, as you know, we are continuing our message series in the book of Psalms. And as you may recall, there are many different types of Psalms. Uh, for example, there are Psalms of Thanksgiving. Those are the Psalms expressing gratitude to God for his many blessings. There are also Psalms of Wisdom. Those are the Psalms providing instructions on how to live according to God's will. But the vast majority of Psalms, the overwhelming majority is Psalms of Lament. More than one-third of all the Psalms in the Bible are Psalms of Lament. Those are the Psalms where the psalmist cries out to God, asking for deliverance, crying out, asking for help. Our Psalm today is a Psalm of Lament, and it is Psalm 77. The title says, For the choir director, according to Yedithun, a Psalm of Asaph, or Asaph. Of the 150 Psalms in the Bible, 116 come with a title, a superscription like the one you see here for Psalm 77. For the choir director, according to Yedithun, a Psalm of Asaph. Yedithun was a worship leader assigned by King David to be one of the three choir directors in Israel. Asaph, like Yedithun, he was also a worship leader appointed by King David to be another choir director. But Asaph was also a skilled singer. He was a writer of psalms, obviously, and he was a prophet, as we see noted throughout First and Second Chronicles. And so Yedithun would be the one directing the choir in the singing of this psalm, 77, which had been written by Asaph. And so at this time, if you are able, let us all stand for the reading of God's word as I will read the 20 verses of Psalm 77 for us. My voice rises to God and I will cry aloud. My voice rises to God and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. In the night, my hand was stretched out without weariness. My soul refused to be comforted. When I remember God, then I am disturbed. When I sigh, then my spirit grows faint. Selah. You have held my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of long ago. I remember my song in the night. I will meditate with my heart and my spirit ponders. Will the Lord reject forever? And will he never be favorable again? Has his loving kindness ceased forever? Has his promise come to an end forever? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Or has he in anger withdrawn his compassion? Selah. Then I said, it is my grief that the right hand of the Most High has changed. I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. 
What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your strength among the peoples. You have by your power redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Selah. The water saw you, O God. The water saw you. They were in anguish. The deeps also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth a sound. Your arrows flashed here and there. The sound of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea and your paths in the mighty waters. And your footprints may not be known. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Let us pray. Dear God, we are so thankful for once again bringing us together to this point in our service where we glorify your name for your word, for your power in our midst. As your word tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but it is a matter of power. And even now, Lord, I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would minister to each and every one of us here, that your word would accomplish the very purpose for which it has been spoken. We praise you, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Based on this 20 verses from Psalm 77, our message title for today is When Trials Come. When trials come. It's not if trials come, it's when. As Job says in Job chapter 5, verse 7, as surely as sparks from a fire fly upward, so will people run into trouble. As a Christian, the troubles in your life turn into trials to mold you into the person God has called you to be. Trials are inevitable. Right now, you are either fresh out of a trial, you are in the middle of one, or there is one trial with your name on it just around the corner waiting for you. But trials are inevitable. The question is, how do you react when trials come? Psalm 77 records the testimony of one man when his trials came. In verse 1 we read, Asaph said, My voice rises to God. And I will cry aloud. My voice rises to God, and he will hear me. Notice that when his trial came, he was crying out to God. He was seeking the Lord. He was speaking aloud. Now, this is a very important detail for us to remember later. He was speaking aloud to God. Now, when his trial came, he was crying out to the Lord. We know that among the psalms of lament, there are many where the psalmist cries out to God, confessing that his need for deliverance comes as a result of sin. However, this is not the case in Psalm 77. Asaph was suffering. Asaph was pleading with God for deliverance in his distress, but he cannot understand why he's suffering this way. But one thing he does, my voice rises to God, and he will hear me. 
One thing he did when his trial came, he went to the Lord in prayer. He trusted that the Lord would hear his prayer. When something bad happens in your day, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? Like Asaph, may we always think of God first. May we always seek the Lord first. And that is essential because of this. Because when trials come, the effect of trials is never neutral. The effect of trials is never neutral. That is, trials will never leave you unchanged. After a trial in your life, you will not be the same person as before. Because through a trial, you either come closer to God or you distance yourself from Him. But you will never be the same. The effect of trials is never neutral in your life. During a trial, you either run to God or you run away from Him, but you not stay in the same place. Now, of course, we do know which direction Asaph went. When trials come into your life, which way do you go? For Asaph, he didn't distance himself from the Lord, but he was seeking him. As we see in verse 2, he says, In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. He was crying out to God. He was seeking the Lord in his distress. And I want you to notice, the Bible says, He said, In the night, my hand was stretched out without weariness. The Bible tells us that Old Testament saints and even some New Testament apostles, they would pray three times a day, usually at nine in the morning, at 12 noon, and in the evening prayer at three in the afternoon. However, Asaph was so distraught that he would linger in the evening prayer until night. He would keep his arms up, crying out unto the Lord. And even when his arms were weary, he would not allow his hands to come down, but he would continue to seek the Lord. What was it that was afflicting Asaph so much that was causing him to seek the Lord with such urgency? What was his distress? What was the cause of his trouble? Some Bible commentators say that Asaph was being afflicted by a tragedy that had impacted the whole nation. Others say that Asaph was being afflicted by a personal tragedy, a personal problem. But you see, God in his infinite wisdom, God does not reveal to us exactly what was afflicting Asaph. Because the lesson for us is not in what was afflicting him. But the lesson for us is that we must continue to seek the Lord no matter what is afflicting us. The lesson is not in knowing what his problem was, but the lesson is in knowing that no matter what comes against you, no matter what is happening in your life, you must always seek the Lord continually and never give up. In the night, my hand was stretched out without weariness. The effect of trials is never neutral. May we never ever be farther away from God as we are going through a trial. But may we always come closer to him. But secondly, trials affect the whole person. Trials affect the whole person. There is not a part of you that will not be impacted by the trials in your life. Trials will affect you completely. In first place, 
Trials can affect us emotionally. Asaph says in verse 2 and 3, My soul refused to be comforted. When I remember God, then I am disturbed. When I sigh, then my spirit grows faint. Selah. He says, my soul is refusing to be comforted. Despite his constant praying, he couldn't find peace. He says, when I remember God, then I am disturbed. Obviously, he was remembering God because he was praying to God. But it was not making him to feel any emotionally better. He was feeling disturbed because he couldn't make sense of what was happening. He could not understand it. And he says, and when I sigh, then my spirit grows faint. He was speaking to God in prayer, but he was thinking within himself also. And his thoughts about his troubles, his trials, they were causing him to sigh, to groan. Causing his spirit to grow faint, depressed, weaker. He was emotionally drained. He says, Selah. That is an interlude in the psalm, in the song. That was an exclamation causing the people who were singing and those who were hearing the words to stop and think about what had just been said. It's as though Asaph is asking you and me, have you ever been here? Can you relate? When your trial is affecting you so much that they're affecting you emotionally, have you been here? Asaph was there. But his trials are not only affecting him emotionally, but as we see, trials can also affect us physically. He says in verse 4, You have held my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. Whatever was troubling Asaph, it was now keeping him awake at night. Have you ever been so stressed in your life that you couldn't sleep? Asaph was there. And we don't know how much time has elapsed since verse 1. Because remember, when he started his psalm, he said, I am crying out to God. My voice is rising to God. I am speaking out to him. Well, not anymore. We don't know how many days, we don't know how much time has elapsed since that verse 1. But now, after many days, perhaps, that he couldn't sleep, battling insomnia, he is physically exhausted. He has been emotionally drained and now he is physically exhausted to such an extent that he says, I am so troubled that I cannot speak. This is a pivotal moment in Asaph's life. Because when he stops speaking, Asaph stops speaking to God. Asaph stops praying. He had given his all. He had constantly prayed before God incessantly, but he didn't find peace. He was constantly, continually seeking the Lord, but the answer didn't come. And so he stops talking. He stops speaking to God. And now his trial is about to get even worse. Because trials can also affect us mentally. Yes. Trials can even impact your mental health. People will notice something different about you and they will ask you, is everything okay? But like Asaph, you don't want to talk about it anymore. You don't want to speak. 
And so you just smile and say, yes, everything is okay. But deep down inside, you know it is not. Have you ever been there? Asaph was there. He says in verse 5, I have considered the days of old, the years of long ago. When he stopped speaking to God, he says, I have considered the days of old, the years of long ago. Do you realize what is happening here? When Asaph stopped speaking to God, he started speaking to himself. This is a dangerous moment in anyone's life. When in the middle of your troubles, you turn back and look into your past. Just ask Lot's wife. It's a dangerous decision in the middle of your troubles to stop, turn back, and look at what has happened in your past. It is a dangerous decision. Asaph had turned back to look at his good old days. These are the moments when people will turn and look and think about his, the good old days. Asaph is now trying escapism. He stops thinking of his present troubles and he starts thinking about the good old days. It's a dangerous decision in anyone's life. These are the moments when your flesh will tempt you and say, hey, you gave religion a try. But this is just not working out for you. If God really loved you, you wouldn't be suffering this way, would you? Let us just go back to the good old days. These are the moments when your old flame from high school will call you for no reason at all, even though you are now married. These are the moments when you remember how good that bottle made you feel, even though you have now been sober for years. These are the moments when the devil will influence your circumstances to make them tailor-made for your weaknesses. It's a dangerous time. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes in chapter 7 in verse 10 that no one who is wise will ever turn back and say the good old days were better than what is happening right now. It is never wise to do so. But God is so merciful, God is so gracious, that when Asaph turned back, he did not look into his good days of sin, but he looked into his good days of faith, his good days with God. The Bible tells us that Asaph said, I will remember my song in the night. I will meditate with my heart and my spirit ponders. In the middle of his trials, when Asaph is no longer talking to God, does not allow his thinking to go away from God. But since he can't sleep, remember, and he's not talking, he starts humming a song. Perhaps the very melody that will later become the music for the choir to sing this psalm. And as he's humming this song in his heart, he begins to meditate within. He begins to think within his mind. As he says, my, I will meditate with my heart and my spirit is pondering. 
and six questions come to his mind. And Asaph has these six questions in his soul when he says in verse 7 through 9, Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never be favorable again? Has his loving kindness ceased forever? Has his promise come to an end forever? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Or has he in anger withdrawn his compassion? Selah. He is stopping and thinking about that over and over again. He's regurgitating within his soul those six questions over and over and over again, trying to understand what is happening. Notice he's not talking to God. He's not praying. Because he doesn't say you, he says he. He doesn't say, will you reject forever? Will you never be favorable again? No. Will he? It's within him. Over and over again. And he has come to a point now of asking, perhaps his loving kindness have ceased forever? Maybe God wasn't true in his word when he made a promise. Perhaps his promise has come to an end. Perhaps God is not faithful in what he had promised. And when he comes to verse 9, it seems that he hit rock bottom. He has come to the lowest point in his life when he, in verse 9, actually says, has God forgotten to be gracious? He's saying maybe grace has come to an end. Maybe, maybe God is not going to give me grace anymore. Where would you and I be without one second of God's grace? But that's where Asaph was. He was at his lowest point, even questioning the grace of God. Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger withdrawn his compassion? But you see, it is at that lowest moment, it is at that lowest point that his breakthrough finally came in verse 10. Then I said, it is my grief that the right hand of the Most High has changed. All of a sudden, Asaph stopped questioning God in his heart and he spoke aloud again as we read then I said he came out of that I said he exclaimed he said it is my grief he realized that it was his grief that had wrongly convinced him that God had changed he says, it is my grief to say that the right hand of the Most High has changed. No, Asaph, God has not changed. He realized that his six questions were an indictment against the Lord, accusing God of not being the God he said he is. He says, this is my grief. In the original Hebrew, he literally said, this is my sickness. Asaph is saying, this is a sick thought, Asaph, to think that God has changed. What were you thinking? Have you ever done that when you have said something, you have done something that you regretted so much that you keep on asking yourself, what were you thinking? Asaph was there. God himself says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, I am the Lord and I do not change. We cannot miss three things here. I don't want you to miss three things. Number one, God never answered to Asaph's questions. There is no record 
in Psalm 77 that God ever responded to his six questions. Number two, Asaph's circumstances did not change. Whatever was troubling him, whatever trials he was facing, they still had not been resolved. And number three, the only thing that changed is that Asaph moved his eyes from his own problems to the sovereignty of God. It is as though in one second, Asaph came to full comfort in his soul by reminding himself that God is in control, that God is sovereign. His circumstances had not changed. But in one moment, he found full comfort by remembering that his life was in God's hands. Asaph is not playing mind games here, folks. Asaph is not trying to trick himself into feeling better with platitudes and positive thinking. But Asaph, by faith, is trusting that the promises of God, no, they have not come to an end forever, that God is faithful. He is trusting in what God says in his word. And that is why you must drench your mind with the Bible. You must drench your mind with the word of God. Because only the truth of God will sustain you in those moments when everything else is falling apart and nothing else is making sense. Only God will be, he will be your anchor. Only the word of God will be the anchor for your soul. Only the word of God will be the rock for your soul. Only God is the one who will never leave you nor forsake you no matter what is happening. Don't look at your circumstances, but take this as a lesson. Remember, our lesson is not in knowing what his problem was, but it is in knowing that we must continue to seek the Lord no matter what our problem is. Oh, go to the word of God. Go to his promises in the word. The Lord will never fail you. You may not understand what is happening, but trust in the Lord. Asaph was walking on a miserable path. He was miserable emotionally. He was miserable physically. He was miserable mentally. He stopped talking to God and he started questioning God in his heart. But at that moment when he hit his lowest point in verse 9, Asaph came to an important point in his spiritual road. It is at that moment when he could not have gone any lower that he came to a fork in the road. And he had a decision to make. How would he write his verse 10? When you come to that fork in that road, in the trials of your life, which way do you go? Asaph's verse 10 in the flesh would have been, God, I have suffered enough, and you don't seem to care, so goodbye. Some people say goodbye to God by quitting their faith. They are the ones of whom the Lord Jesus speaks in the parable of the sower in Luke chapter 8, verse 13. Those are the ones where the seed had been planted in the rocky soil. And they receive the word with joy. But when trials come, what does Jesus say? They fall away. They go away. There are some who say goodbye to God by saying goodbye to hope. And they even take in their own lives. They have even done that. But at that moment, Asaph took the way of faith. When everything is going wrong in your life, which way do you go? 
When life brings you, just like with Asaph, when life brings you to that fork in the road, which way do you choose? The testimony of a true Christian shines bright when everything is going well. But the testimony of a true Christian shines even brighter when everything is going wrong. Because your faith does not depend on your feelings or in, on your circumstances. But your faith, your faith depends on the God whom you know is faithful. As Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12. For I know whom I have believed. You may not understand things around you. But remember, he is God and he will never leave you. Your life is in his hands. I ask you again, when trials come, which way do you go? We all know that the apostle Peter was crucified. He died as a martyr, being crucified upside down. But did you know that Peter's wife was also crucified? The Greek historian Eusebius says that before the Romans crucified Peter, they forced him to watch his wife's agony being crucified. And do you know what Peter kept telling his wife as she was being nailed to a cross? He kept crying out to her, Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. Asaph's breakthrough came, not when his problems were all resolved, but when he remembered the Lord. When he remembered who God truly is, and so must we. When trials come, remember the sovereignty of God. We just saw that in verse 10. Haven't we just seen that? When he says, Then I said, It is my grief that the right hand of the Most High has changed. He remembered that God is sovereign. He remembered that everything was under the control of the Lord. Through your trials and tribulations, may you always remember that the Lord is sovereign. That the Lord has control over this entire situation, even though you may not understand it. Through the pain, you may not be able to see the end result yet. But remember it to trust the Lord as sovereign during your journey there. He will be with you every step of the way. The Lord will not leave you. When trials come, remember the blessings of God. Remember the blessings that the Lord has already given you. Asaph said, I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work. And I will muse on all your deeds. In the same way that the flesh will tempt you by reminding you of the good old days of sin, the Holy Spirit will strengthen you 
by reminding you of the past prayers that you have prayed before the Lord and God has answered them. Remember all those prayers. Remember all the blessings that the Lord has already given you. How he was faithful to you in the past that will sustain you in the moments of present trials. Remember the blessings of God. I believe it was A.W. Tozer who said that God had answered 1,200 of his prayers. 1,200 prayers answered. How could he know that? How could he count them? Most certainly because he had a prayer journal. Because he would write down his prayers and then record the answers. Do you do that? Do you have a prayer journal? I don't write down my prayers on paper, but I do use the Echo Prayer app in my phone where I jot down my prayers and then record the answers when they come. It is always a great reminder during the times of trials is a wonderful reminder of all the blessings that the Lord has already given me. When trials come, remember the blessings of the Lord. David says in Psalm 103 verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all of his blessings, all of his benefits. Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you with gentleness and reverence. As Peter says, if someone were to ask you today, why do you have hope in God? Why do you continue to maintain your faith in Him, even in the middle of your trials? What would you say? Would you be stumped? I pray that you would have many examples coming to mind of past prayers that have been answered. That you could respond and say, for this reason, and this reason, and this reason, I will continue to have faith in God. I will continue to hope in Him. No matter what is happening to me right now, I know that I can count on my God. The memories of those testimonies from past answered prayers will sustain you during your times of trials in the present. But even if you cannot remember right now a single prayer that God has answered you, as a Christian, you know that the Lord has already given you the greatest blessing of all that sustains your hope, and that is the fact that he has saved your soul. Remember the blessings of God. When trials come, remember the holiness of God. Remember the holiness of God. Asaph says in verse 13, Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? Literally, in verse 13, he says, Your way, O God, is in holiness. Some translations say, is in the sanctuary of holiness. The idea here is that through the afflictions and pains and trials in your life, that God is allowing to come in your life, his ultimate goal is for you to be holy. Someone once said, God is more interested in your holiness than he is in your happiness. 
When trials come, do not turn to God and say, God, this is not making me happy. But understand that God is the one turning to you to say, this is making you holy. This is the way the Lord works. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and 29. Most people remember just verse 29 that says that all, God is working all things together for good. For those who have been called for his purpose. But what is the purpose? Verse 29 says what? To conform us to the image of his son. God is allowing these trials in your life. It is not simply to make you a happy person. But it is to make you a holy person. A Christ-like follower of him. For you to be a better ambassador of Christ. For you to be someone who follows the Lord no matter what happens in your life, but knowing that the Lord is always there with you. And lastly, when trials come, remember the salvation of God. Remember the salvation of God. Asaph says, beginning verse 14, You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your strength among the peoples. You have by your power redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. Think about it. Think about what has just been said. He's saying, you have, God, by your power redeemed your people. What was this manifestation of God's power that redeemed his people, that redeemed the people of Israel and has become known among the peoples? What manifestation of power was that? It was the parting of the Red Sea. Out of all the wonders God performed in the Old Testament, the parting of the Red Sea is by far the one with the most references in the Old Testament, but especially in the book of Psalms. Because it recalls the testimony of such display of magnificent power, of the magnificent power of God in the salvation of his people. The power of God in the parting of the Red Sea. And he says, the water saw you, O God. The water saw you. They were in anguish. The deeps also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth a sound. Your arrows flashed here and there. The sound of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Asaph speaks of a powerful thunderstorm that happened during the parting of the Red Sea. For us as Christians, we were not there 3,500 years ago when that was happening. But we have experienced the power of God's salvation in our own lives, haven't we? Because in Christ Jesus our Lord, we have been transformed. We have experienced that power of God in our lives. Now please understand, you can only remember the power of God's salvation in your life if you have a personal relationship with him. If you don't walk with God, then you have nothing to remember. Your greatest problem is not the trial that you are going through right now, but it is not knowing where your soul will be in eternity. All of us, according to the Bible, according to what God says, in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, we have all, been, we have all sinned. 
And we are separated from the glory of God, from the salvation of God. Never mind that we go to church, never mind that we say we have good works, never mind that we say that uh, we do good to people. It doesn't change our status before God. But God, you see, He saw our, our condition. He saw our plight. And He sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, here to earth to die for us at Calvary's cross so that He could pay the penalty for our sins. He took our place. That's His salvation. And I pray today that you would repent of your sins and come to Christ. Because the trials in your life are nothing compared to the greatest trial that most of humanity will be experienced when they realize that they are in an eternity without Christ. Let us remember the salvation of God in the moments of our trials, as Asaph did here. He is remembering the great salvation of God to the people of Israel. And he continues to say, the lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea and your paths in the mighty waters. And your footprints may not be known. Your footprints may not be known. He's talking about the fact that when God opened the Red Sea for Israel to pass, when the Egyptians tried to go after them, he closed in the waters over them and they were all defeated. In a figurative sense, what he's saying is that when God opened the Red Sea, the footprints of God could be seen on the seabed. But once God closed it in, his footprints could not, be, could not be known. And he says, the lightnings lit up the world and the earth trembled and shook. Asaph also speaks of a mighty earthquake that happened during the parting of the Red Sea. Now, if you and I read Exodus chapter 14, where the Bible records that event of the parting of the Red Sea, we don't see any of these details. We don't read about these lightnings. We don't, re we don't read there in Exodus 14 about this terrible earthquake. So how did Asaph know about this? How did he know about these details that are not recorded in Exodus chapter 14? The answer is in Psalm 44, where the Bible says, Oh God, we have heard with our ears... Our fathers have told us the work that you did in their days, in the days of old. The parents and grandparents made sure that their offspring knew about God's salvation. We must remember of God's salvation when our trials come to sustain us. But not only that. We must also make sure to tell, to share of God's, of God's salvation with our children and grandchildren so that they will know the Savior for themselves when their trials come. Asaph is praising God for what he had heard. And at the very last verse in the psalm, he says, You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. He ends his psalm with an exuberant declaration of praise, re remembering the parting of the Red Sea. And he ends with the victorious proclamation that God was faithful to use Moses and Aaron to lead the people into the promised land. And so he ends in this glorious note of victory. And Psalm 77 comes to an end. But wait a minute. We still don't know what was afflicting Asaph. We still don't know what his problem was. Where was that man? Where is that man now that said, 
My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I am disturbed. Where is that man now? He is lost in worship. Without having heard a single new word from God. We do not know how his problems were solved. We don't even know if his problems were solved. But we certainly know what changed at that fork in the road, don't we? We certainly know what happened when he came to his verse 9, what happened afterwards. He did this. He remembered the sovereignty of God, the blessings of God, the holiness of God, the salvation of God. If you are here today as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you have been living your life stuck on verse 9, I pray that the Lord has set you free today. I pray that you have been reminded of, God, of who God truly is. And I pray that the Lord has set you free, even if your circumstances do not change. Let us pray. Father, we are so thankful because our lives belong to you. Our lives are in your hands, O oh God. And we know that all of us endure trials in this life. Trials are indeed inevitable. And as Asaph was suffering and as Asaph was going through his tribulations, all of us have those moments in our lives when we go through the same. But I pray, O oh God, that through this word, that each and every one of us in Christ will be reminded that our lives are in your hands, and there is absolutely nothing that is out of your control, but you have a purpose in all of this. May our lives glorify your name in the end. Even if we do not understand what is happening in the journey, may we always be comforted in the fact that you are the one who will bring us to the promised land. You are the one who will complete and fulfill all your purposes in our lives. Bless us now, we pray, Father, as we pray in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord, and we say, amen. God bless you.